Welcome to Let's Get Information. My name is Alexa Silvaggio, and this, my friends, is a podcast for seekers, entrepreneurs, spirit junkies, and wellness lovers of all kinds. Each week, we'll be offering you inspiration, education, and co-creation that will help you cultivate an epic life. So let's dig deep, lift up, and thrive through these personal stories, tips, how-tos, and most importantly, great, rich truth. Hello, hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to the very first episode of Let's Get Information. Uh, Today, it is a solo act. I will be just sharing some truth with you. Uh, I'm so grateful, by the way, that you carved out the time to listen and to connect and to potentially gather some new information that you can take off into your life, that you can take off the mat, you can take into your work, you can take into your relationships with both yourself and with everybody else. So just a warm, wholehearted, deeply gracious moment of thanks. Thank you. Um, Today, you know, and and frankly, in every episode, I'm going to do my best to meet you all where I am. And hopefully you can do the same, right? And hopefully we can connect on that. I want to just share some truth and, and show up as I am. And today, top of my list, top of my mental kind of activity is around body image and comparison and um, basically just how we are as a culture around the importance of our physical appearance. Um, So for those of you that follow me on Instagram or those of you that have read anything I've ever written, whether it was a New York Post article or whether it was just online or or whether you listen to my Wisdom Wednesdays on YouTube, um, I am a fierce supporter of body love. Uh, I, for years, for years and years and years, I struggled with all sorts of eating disorders, particularly anorexia. Um, I spent about two years of my life eating no more than 200 calories a day and, you know, exercising as a professional dancer about four to six hours a day. And um, so you can imagine that I was I was a very sick human. And, um, and I don't say that with any sort of judgment. I am so grateful for that time in my life because it set me on such a different path than the one that I was on. You know, it's just completely changed my trajectory. It was definitely a gift in a strange package, right? And, um, and so since then, I've been really steadfast in cultivating a more loving relationship to my body, which of course is a practice, right? It's not just like, oh yeah, I did the work and now I love myself. Like, no, that's not really the way that the cookie crumbles, (laughs) pun intended. Sorry to talk about cookies. Um, But, you know, it's a practice, just like yoga is a practice, just like playing an instrument is a practice, just like doing any job is a practice, right? I always say in yoga, practice makes more practice. You know, fuck being perfect. Sorry, explicit, wah wah. Um, but you know, it that's that's what it is. It is, it's a practice. So 
cultivating that loving relationship to to my body has really been my MO as a yoga teacher, as a writer, as a speaker. And uh, I actually am in the process of publishing my first book on this exact topic because I feel so pulled. I feel so strongly about it. And I know that it's something that I'm not alone in, right? This is not just my journey. This is not just my experience. In fact, I I think every time I share about this, I'm flabbergasted by the amounts of quote unquote me too's I get from this, right? This revealing, this mirroring of, oh yeah, no, this is me too. Um, and so I'd love to hear from you and and your beliefs on body love and, and body imagery and sensitivity and all that stuff. Um, I think it's becoming really complicated in the yoga world in particular. In particular, I am a yoga teacher for those of you who are new to me because, um, you know, Western yoga is for many of us like fitness. And that's beautiful. It's a great form of movement. It's it's wonderful for your joints. It, it increases flexibility, mobility, stability, um, it makes you stronger all the while. It's like this one-stop shop of fabulousness. I love it. But it's like the yoga practice, the asana, right? These shapes are like one one-thousandth of what yoga is about. And whether you practice yoga or not, or whether you um, are even on social media or not, I think we're bombarded, particularly in the yoga community, in the fitness community, with these images of quote unquote perfection, which I, I don't even really know what that means. I mean, I think everyone has their own version of what that is, but regardless, by perfection, I'm talking about this kind of photoshopped, crystal clear, looking good, looking fit, um, you know, maybe, maybe a little curvy if that's quote unquote sexy. You know, there's like this, this uh, box that's okay. You know, it's like this, this box that, that we're all trying to fit in and, and be good enough, um, where, this deep irony is like so blatant to me because the practice of yoga is really a practice in compassion, right? It's a practice in not only being aware of our physical body and where we are, you know, where we're moving or whatever, but also of our more subtle body, right? Our emotional body, the way that we feel about ourselves. And really, that's the work, right? That's that's the work right there because I hate to break it to you, but you're going to be the only company that you ever keep 100% of the time. People will come and go. Things will change. Jobs will shift. Circumstances will shift. But you, honey, you are always going to be there. And so we have to learn to befriend ourselves on some level because, you know, we come into this world alone and we do. We die alone. No one can hold our hand through it. So liking the company that we are constantly keeping is non-negotiable. It's imperative. And I think it's... I think it's really tragic on many levels because we live in this society, and I'm not just talking about America, I'm talking about all over the place, that not only 
will make you feel less than, right, through imagery or through, you need this product because it's going to make you happier. Like, you're not enough. You need to buy this thing. But they also proliferate off of it, right? They prosper from it. It's like a really screwed up tactic, but it it's working. People are, businesses are thriving because people are not feeling good enough. So they have to go out and buy this thing that's going to make them good enough, sexy enough, thin enough, curvy enough, blah, 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 whatever your version of that is, right? So my whole MO is becoming more conscious of of my own thoughts about myself and knowing whether or not they actually serve, right? Whether they serve a purpose, whether they serve uh, my own well-being, whether they serve, you know, anything. Because actually the way that I treat myself affects the way that I show up in every other aspect of my life and you as well. I'm talking about, you know, this kind of universal thing. When I'm talking about myself, I know that I'm not the only one that feels this way. So um, so please do know that I'm not just kind of tooting my own horn, right? When I am better to myself, I have the mental, emotional, physical ability to show up with more care, more compassion, and more kindness to everyone else, my students, my lovers, my uh, family, my whatever, my dog, my dog's lover, anyone, anyone, right? So the question is, is how do we arrive at this more compassionate place, right? How do we, how do we befriend ourselves? And there are so many ways to do that, but I'm just going to share a few that have worked for me. And one of those ways is, you know, and I think many people would disagree with me, but whatever, this is my personal experience. And I, I hope that it, that it helps you in some way, but asking myself, what would someone who loved themselves do in any situation? You know, there was a time when I was really compulsive with exercise, like really over-exercising, couldn't skip a day, couldn't miss a workout. could It was like I was an anxiety attack waiting to happen if I even thought about <laughs> missing like a high-intensity interval training class, right? But that's not very loving. Like that's not... That's not very kind to my joints. That's not very kind to the part of my body that actually needs rest. Right. So what would someone who loves themselves eat? No, they would not starve themselves. Someone who loved themselves would not also eat, you know, seven hamburgers either. You know, how would someone who loved themselves talk to themselves? How would, I, how would I actually have an inner dialogue if I loved myself? How would I interact with people if I loved myself, right? Would I um, say yes to everything or would I have safe and healthy boundaries and listen to the nobility of my body and actually show up and be like, oh, actually, I don't want to do that. I love myself. I'm going to not say yes to that rather than like needing the validation 
of someone else's affirmation and like do something even though I don't want to, right? So that's number one. What would someone who loves themselves do in any circumstance, right? I uh, I actually talk about this in the book. Like I was on an airplane and um, coming back to, uh, I think I was coming back to LA from New York. I, I'm somewhat by coastal. I travel back and forth quite a bit. And um, like I was craving a Sprite. <laughs> Sorry, Sprite. Don't mean to like spread some haterade on you. But like, obviously that's not the most healthy, loving choice. And I was clearly very dehydrated because I was flying. And I remember that moment of clarity, like, okay, what would someone who loves themselves do? Okay. No, they wouldn't drink a Sprite. They would actually hydrate their body with water. (laughs) When you just ask yourself that the answers are very clear, right? So please do ask yourself that not only on the daily, but Whenever you're feeling like you're needing to make a decision that maybe you don't quite know the answer to or whenever you are in kind of a negative spiral, right? Maybe you're acting out with um, some body shaming, like negative self-talk stuff, or maybe you are um, about to have a meal and you're feeling kind of anxious and compulsive and you're like, oh, but I really want, you know, a bucket of French fries and a milkshake and three burgers, you know, like, okay, take a step back, right? I cannot speak highly enough about um, pausing, pausing before reactivity, right? We live in this culture of like, whoa, reactivity, myself included. I am, I think, probably one of the most reactive humans I have ever met. But this is why I got into the yoga world, right? Because I needed to learn to do a little less, right? I needed to learn to take a step back before like exploding into reactivity. I've had many different forms of reactivity, whether that um, whether that explosion of reactivity was like um, a, a verbal like F you moment, whether I was just kind of exploding and expressing what I was feeling in that moment without thinking about it and then feeling really bad, um, or whether that reactivity was starvation, or whether that reactivity was overeating, or whether that reactivity was... Uh, you know, hitting the gym and, you know, running 12 miles a day. Whatever the case may be, I I have that reactivity um, bone in my body. And so for me, like, it's a, it is a, an imperative act of self-care to learn to pause. And pausing, I know this is so not what you wanted to hear because we all want some quick fix that is, you know, easy. And this is easy but it doesn't feel like it in the moment, that pause becomes a whole lot easier with meditation. I know, it's a shocker. It's a shocker. But meditation may take time to do, right? Whether that's two minutes or two hours. It may take time. But I gotta tell you, the more you practice meditation, the more time it buys you. The more time you have in between your reactivity and actually following through with that reactivity, right? The reaction. We may feel reactive, but we don't have to actually act out on that. I still feel reactivity every damn day. And I have a constant choice 
whether I want to act out on it or whether I don't. I'd rather not. I'd rather not. Why? Because it's less I'm sorry's. It's less shit, why did I eat that? It's less ow, my body hurts. It's just better for me. And you know, there's a reason that we're so reactive. I mean, there's it's a it's our biology to be honest. You know, we have this amygdala in the back of our brain. It's like right at the base of your head, right where your neck meets your skull. It's your amygdala. It's your like reptilian brain. It's your fight or flight brain. And it was designed to help you run from a predator. It's imperative, right? It's it's basically what made our species survive for as long as it has, right? It's been a very important part of our, you know, ability to procreate. The problem is, is now we have this reactive brain that goes into fight or flight mode, this state of anxiety, this state of fear, not because a tiger is chasing us, but because we got an email that's maybe a little less than gregarious. Right? And it's like, I don't need to get reactive over an email. right? But our brain doesn't actually know that we don't need to. It's thinking it's doing us a solid. And it it is, you know, it is. It's trying its best. And that's cute and adorable and sweet and all that. But the more we meditate, the more we carve out time to let our mind rest. And I'm not talking about like stopping thoughts because like good luck with that one. That's not going to happen, right? But actually carving out time to meditate, right, where we actually just notice our thoughts and and focus on breath and cultivate some stillness potentially unless you like walking meditation. Then you don't, you don't got to be still. The more time we dedicate to meditation, the more your amygdala actually shrinks physically, like actually in size. It shrinks Yes. So number two, meditate. If you don't know how to meditate, there are like 8 million resources for meditation. I actually, um, I lead some guided meditations on an app called Move With that is fantastic. Um, It's an, it's audible. It's just, it's all audio, um, audio style, um, classes and they have everything from yoga to high intensity intervals to meditation to core work whatever so I highly recommend them um, and also in the works is um, awaken.yoga which is um, another site where I can lead you through yoga and meditation so if you're interested in that um, I'll leave it in the show notes I'll, I'll leave a leave a link to those two in the show notes just so you can connect and hopefully get your meditation on get that practice going because that is a lifesaver. And third piece of advice when it comes to body image and cultivating that relationship that is more loving is to remember that that voice that is in your head that is beating you up, calling you fat or too thin or too curvy or too whatever that is not you. Legit, that is not you. I recommend 
actually separating that voice from you completely. Give it a name. For me, my badass biatch who is not such a badass, she's just bad. Her name is Veronica. I don't know. I was a musical theater person growing up. and I think Veronica is like the evil sister in Chicago, the musical. So I think that's where that kind of came from. But basically, um, whenever whenever I have that that voice that is belittling myself, that is not right what someone who loved themselves would do, right? Treating Treating myself like a punching bag. I look at that voice in my mind's eye. And I remind myself that that's not me, that that's Veronica. And that Veronica is not going anywhere. She's not. She's not going anywhere, right? She's that, she's that reptilian brain. She's that fight or flight brain, right? Trying to keep me safe. That's the thing. Hold on, hold on. So this, this voice, this part of your brain that is not being nice, this is actually trying to keep you safe. It may be trying to keep you small, but small is safe according to your reptilian brain, according to your amygdala, right? Your, your brain is trying to get you to not go for that job, to not go on that date, to not be fully seen. Why? Because there's a chance you'll get hurt. Yes, absolutely. And that's actually true. But the question is not, and I love this, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this in her book, Big Magic. The question is not, what would I do if I knew I wouldn't fail? The question is, what would I do because I love it so much that even if I did fail, I'm still stoked I did it. I know I just butchered Elizabeth Gilbert's quote. Elizabeth, if you're listening, I love you. I mean it. I'm sorry about that, but you get the gist, right? So it's not, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? It's, what would I do anyway? Because I love it so much that even if I did fail, it's worth it. It's worth it, right? So our Veronica brain, our amygdala, is trying to keep you from playing full out. So it's trying to keep you safe. But we all know that Magic does not happen in our comfort zone. It just doesn't exist there, right? We have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to go out and do the things that scare us. Why? Because when we're doing shit that scares us, we're leveling up, right? We're on our growth path. We are creating the life that we want, I think a lot of us have this fear like, oh, but what if it's not actually what I want? Or what if I get off track? I actually don't think there is such a thing as getting off track. You know, it's like that quote, um, you either grow or you learn, right? There's no losing. It's not like, oh, I'm off track. No, you're not off track. You just got the traction that you need to continue to, you know, go in the direction you want to go. If you feel off track, you just got traction. That is so rich and so real. I know so many times in my life that I felt off track. You know, like, God, thinking about when I was anorexic, like barely eating and exercising like a crazy person. Someone may look at that and go, oh, yeah, she was off track. No, I wasn't off track. I was finding the right track. 
It was exactly the path that I needed to be on to learn what I needed to learn, to grow in the way that I needed to grow, and to gather the information that was going to completely set me on a different path. It was genius. I'm so grateful that that happened in retrospect. In retrospect, in retrospect, I am so grateful that that happened at the time. Yeah, it didn't feel so cute. It wasn't so adorable. I didn't love it. I didn't dig it. But it was totally what I needed. I had a very different life. I was uh, I was a dancer, actress, singer living in New York. And um, that lifestyle and that um, that career path was so wonderful and it served such a purpose at the time. But it's so not my lifestyle. It's so not for me. And becoming sick with anorexia made it that much more clear, right, that that wasn't my path. Well, it was part of my path, but it wasn't, you know, the long-term situation. So that was that was such a gift, gift in a strange package. Okay, so I was talking about Veronica. Leave it to me to get, you know, pulled in a million different directions. I'm so excited. And and of course, I'm nervous in the service. This is my first podcast and I'm just talking solo and, and that's really awesome. But of course, you know, I'm a little nervous in the service. So thanks for bearing with me. Um, Veronica, separating that voice, being able to distinguish who she is, what she's trying to do, and then practice compassion with her. Because again, she's trying to keep you safe. She's trying to keep you small, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe mentally, maybe as far as your career goes. Regardless, she's trying to keep you safe. Um, We have to just learn to distinguish who she is to, or he, of course, if you're listening to this and you're a male, you can call him a he. Uh, But just in my case, at least for me, distinguishing who she is and then lovingly tell her to, you know, pipe down. (laughs) I'm just trying to write an email or I'm just trying to, you know, get ready for a date or I'm just trying to do this, that, and the other thing. You don't need to be barking at me quite so loudly. And then it's from that place of distinguishing who Veronica is that you can do what someone who loved themselves would do, acting in a more loving way. And it's ironic because these three tie together really beautifully, right? If we have a meditation practice, if we have that practice of awareness, of coming together, of union, right? The word yoga actually means union. Right, to yoke, to come together, to become more aware. If we have that awareness, we're going to be a whole lot better at listening to Veronica. We're going to be a whole lot better at distinguishing who the hell she is and why she's piping up and why the time is now that she's barking, right? And then we can act from that loving place because we're more aware. So it's tough because we live in a society where awareness, uh, it's not exactly like a mainstream thing. In fact, I think checking out is much more acceptable. 
Do you ever notice if you get into an elevator, you walk in, there's like three other people in there, everyone's just on their phone because they don't want to deal with the awkwardness of having just to sit in a really small space or stand in a really small space with other people that they don't know. So they check out. Gone. Dunzo. Let me look at my phone. I would rather do that than have to just sit with the discomfort of being here in a tight, confined place. We are reactive, like I was talking about, and that reactivity often leads to checking out, whether that's looking at our phone, whether that is um, overeating or undereating, whether that's exercise, whether that whatever it is, whether that's sex, shopping, whatever the case may be, um, that reactivity is what makes us want to check out. And it's ironic because actually, if we want to heal anything, we have to feel it, right? If we want to heal it, we got to feel it. And the less reactive we are, the less we check out. I wish that a meditation practice was like required by law. (laughs) I genuinely think that we would have better drivers. We would have higher performance, uh, higher performances in work. We would have um, healthier relationships because when we're more aware, we actually show up better. We can distinguish what we want, what we don't want. We can distinguish who we want to spend our time with, who we don't want to spend our time with. We can distinguish what we want to do with our time just from being more aware. So please do, please do start to, start to practice, start to, even if it's just 30 seconds, 30 seconds of breath work, 30 second meditation, and you'll work your way up, right? 30 seconds to one minute to two minutes. And eventually You know, 20 minutes is like, it's a beautiful, beautiful amount of time. It is a lovely amount of time to practice being. Because we are human beings, not human doings. We are human beings, not human doings. So meditate, A number one. (laughs) Listen to the voices. Is this me or is this my reactivity talking? Be number two. And treat yourself like someone who loved themselves would. See number three. Let me know how that works out for you. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear how that goes. Um, I'd love to hear how your relationship shifts because it certainly has shifted mine. Um, and I, I know it'll shift yours too. Um, let me know what you think. Uh, and if you want to connect with me, please do so on Instagram at Alexa Silvaggio. Uh, and I do have a few retreats coming up. If you have any interest in that, I'll leave those in the show notes as well. Uh, I am leading a retreat in Napa, California. So stoked. It's just a three-day retreat. So it's nice. You don't have to carve out a ton of time. You don't have to miss a bunch of work. It's just a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, October 13th through 15th in Napa, California. It's downtown Napa. It's going to be radical. Um, 
And you can find out more about that at alexasilvaggio.com. And then I also have one more retreat this year in Baja, Mexico. It is a resolution retreat. I am really stoked about this one as well. We'll be cultivating some intentions for the new year. We'll be setting those. We'll be getting grounded in what we want to create for 2018. I know it's so crazy to think that we're already at that part of the year, but newsflash, it's like two seconds away from fall. So if you want some more information on that, you can also go to alexasilvaggio.com. But of course, I'll leave that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for connecting with me. And uh, let's all continue to get information. All my love. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. What an absolute gift. Uh, Please do connect to me. I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, um, social media in general at Alexa Silvaggio. And if you do have a second, I would be super grateful if you left us a review on iTunes. Why? Well, because that actually makes us more visible to everyone. And I'm all about spreading the good stuff, right? Spreading the goods, getting the word out because I want us all to benefit. I want us all to feel good. I want us all to thrive. So this is your gentle reminder, my love to go out there and create an epic life. All my love.